just thank the Lord for, for all that He's doing. Amen. I'm so excited to be part of the Lord's church. I'm so excited, excited to be part of this church. It's hard to believe that we're about 10 months into this thing already. You know, it's just amazing. It seems like we just just started last week, you know. But uh, I'm very thankful for all that the Lord's doing. And I always say this, I pray that our church would be a soul-winning church. I pray that we would have a heart for souls and that the growth of this church primarily would be from those that we are getting to lead to Christ. And bring them in here and say, come with me to church. And they'll be plugged in and be part of what the Lord's doing here and grow. And we are getting to see that. We've had some salvations in this church and I think that's going to be the, the life of the church. It's going to be the new souls being saved. Amen? I want you, if you would, to turn in your Bible to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. You know, last week with Easter, we did a... a the, the message was, the Word was on the resurrection. It was, what does that mean to me today? The fact that Jesus rose from the dead. We're going to get back to our series on uh, the ministry of the Word. And probably for several more weeks... Stay in this. But I want you, if you would, just read 1 Timothy 4. We'll read verse 6 and then skip down to verse 13 if you would. Paul says to Timothy, If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up into, in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. Verse 13, Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. And neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by the prophecy with the laying on of hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. We notice a few times right here in just these four verses that we read, um, four or five verses, the, the word doctrine was mentioned three times. Okay? Good doctrine, he said in verse 13. He says later in verse 13, give attendance to doctrine. And then he says in the last scripture we read, take heed unto thy doctrine, unto yourself, and to your doctrine. So the last few weeks when we've done our study on the ministry of the Word, we've talked about how incredible God's Word is. It's the living Word of the living God, and it's living, okay, and it's life. And we've talked about God's Word being quick and powerful, amen, and able to bring life in a, into a dead man, into a lost man. <clears throat> you hath he quickened who were dead in your sins and trespasses. We've talked about the, the fact that God's Word is authoritative. It is the final, ultimate authority. Thus saith the Lord is the final authority that we are to obey to and yield to. God's Word is also sufficient for our lives. We talked about that two weeks ago, that God's Word is not only uh, uh, appropriate or profitable for spiritual things, what we would call spiritual or church things, but the Lord's Word is sufficient for all areas of our life. Every area of our life, it is sufficient. And what we're going to talk about today, and maybe next week as well, that God's Word, rightly divided, is the basis of the doctrine. The, the doctrine of the church. The doctrine of Christianity. The Bible says, and, and we'll quote this Scripture often, but in 2 Timothy chapter 4, 
that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Literally means God breathed. Okay, it's living and it's profitable for doctrine. It's profitable for doctrine. Okay, doctrine sometimes can be a scary word that people think of people sitting in long robes in in seminaries or something and thinking that this is doctrine and those men know doctrine. Doctrine simply when you look it up in the Bible in a Greek dictionary, it simply means learning, instruction, teaching. Learning, instruction, teaching. So don't let that word doctrine scare you. We just read it three times in the short passage that we read. And uh, doctrine simply is this, y'all. It's what we believe. It's the instruction or the teaching that we hold to, that we propagate, that we believe in, that we've set our sights upon, that we've set our life upon. It's very important doctrine. And we sing that song. We sang it not long ago, uh, maybe on a Sunday night. I believe in Jesus. I believe He is the Son of God. I believe He died and rose again. I believe He came for us all. And I believe He's here now, standing in our midst, here with the power to heal us and the grace to forgive. You know what that is? That's doctrine. That's what we believe. That may not be the sum of all Christian doctrine, but that is doctrine. It's what we believe. And <clears throat> doctrine is, is uh, a man's doctrine and that is something that a man is going to hold to. Or a person is going to hold to embrace and to profess to others, right? And doctrine can be either sound or unsound. Doctrine in and of itself, a teaching can be sound or unsound. It can be right or wrong. And so uh, God's word rightly divided is the basis for sound doctrine. <clears throat> so when we read in the scriptures, for example, we read a phrase sound doctrine. Sound simply means healthy. So if you're wondering what does sound doctrine mean, it means healthy, whole, or well. Whole as far as being complete. Okay? So it's not part, partly right and partly wrong or incomplete. Sound doctrine is going to be healthy, just like we have a sound body. We're healthy and well. Everything's functioning properly, you know? And, and our doctrine can be sound or unsound. Our doctrine that a man holds to, any man holds to, can be biblical or unbiblical, right? Biblical or unbiblical. Our, our doctrine that we hold to can be good or bad. Honestly, the Word of God tells us, and Paul says it uh, to Timothy, that there are uh, seducing spirits and doctrines of what? Devils. Every doctrine is not good doctrine. But a doctrine can be healthy or unhealthy. It can be sound. It can be good or bad. Um, and the Bible talks about uh, that we're not to be carried about with every wind of doctrine. Because there are different winds of doctrine. There are different teachings. There are different instructions. They might be partially biblical or might not be biblical at all. The ones that are going to be more deceptive to you and me and to the church world are going to be the ones that are greatly uh, biblical but not completely biblical. Okay? But uh, so when, when, it, when it talks about good doctrine, if you're looking at your Bible still at, in, in verse 6 of what we read, if thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, it says you'll be nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine. This is what we want. Amen? This is what we want. We're talking about the ministry of the Word. Besides it being sufficient and besides it being authoritative, besides it being living, besides God's Word being what sanctifies the believer, God's Word is doc the sound doctrine that we hold to. 
the rightly divided, not the perverted, but rightly divided word of God. And so uh, it, it uh, good in that sense simply means virtuous, well, valuable, good doctrine, okay? Good means valuable, beautiful, honest, that which is proper, okay? And what is proper as far as what is to be taught and held to and embraced and lived by when it comes to doctrine is going to be God's Word. It's determined by the Word of God. We don't sit in councils and just decide. We, it's determined by the Word of God. It's determined by the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Jude says this is what we're to earnestly contend for. The faith which was once delivered to the saints. I believe it's speaking about right Christian doctrine, the whole Bible, the whole gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection, all the prophecies, all the prophecies of his second coming, all of the epistles, how a man's to live once he's come to Christ, all of it. Who we are in God's eyes, who he is, all of it. And so right sound doctrine is determined by the word of the Lord. It's determined by the Bible. Okay, it's the term. If we all die today, the Bible still stands and still proclaims right doctrine. And it's determined by the scriptures. Listen, rightly divided and taught and revealed by the Holy Spirit. Because that's the only way we're going to rightly divide or understand the first most basic thing of a spiritual truth is going to be by the spirit of truth, giving us the word of God and then rightly dividing it to us, giving us that revelation and that understanding. And so, what sound doctrine is determined by, thus saith the Lord. It's determined by, it is written. That's what Jesus said, right? It is written. That shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It's written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Where did he get his doctrine from? He got it from the same place we get ours from, we get it, we get it, got it from the Word of God. Right doctrine is, is uh, determined by the Lord. There's a very definite standard. Now, I'm not going to get today necessarily in, say, our Cornerstone Church's doctrinal statement. We've studied a lot of that when we went through the Foundations book, a lot of those things. And we may one day uh, do another study just on going through our doctrine, what we believe, teaching on it. But today, I just want us to see there is a standard for sound doctrine. And it is the Word of God. That standard for healthy, whole, right doctrine is the incorruptible, unchanging, eternal, living Word of the living God. I know I'm being repetitive, but good doctrine, uh, which a man should believe and hold to, and teach, and preach, and live by, is not subjective. It's not subjective. In this world we're living in, Everything, according to the world, there's some truth in it. There's some reality in it. If it's true for you, then it's true. And it's relative, right? Everything's relative based on how you perceive it, the individual, how the individual relates to it, or their upbringing, or their culture that they were brought up in. Everything's relative. Basically, you know what that is? That individual in the world today, the individual is autonomous. The individual is... Uh, determines what's right and wrong. The individual determines even what's reality and what's not reality. And we laugh at some of the statements about, you know, people that uh, just seems like they're so out there in their minds. But, but honestly, 
that is more and more accepted that there's not a, a standard for one size that fits all. But according to God's Word, there is one standard. And it's Jesus Christ and it's His Word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but what shall man live by? Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Every man. Every man. Well, what about the Muslims? What about the Hindus? What about the atheists? What about agnostics? What about Stephen Hawking? You know, what about Charles Darwin? Man shall live by the word of every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He's given a standard. I say it all the time. I'm thankful. I'm so thankful that it's simple. And you go into Baskin Robbins, you can choose any flavor you want. I'm glad for that too. Okay? But when it comes to me making it to heaven and knowing this God or spending eternity in hell into place of torment, I'm glad it's not for me to pick and choose and hope I find the right one. I'm glad that He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. I'm thankful. Thank You, Lord, that You made it that simple. There is a way that seems right to man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. But the Lord is the way. And He says there's a narrow road that leads to life. Few there be there find it. But it's a narrow road and it's the way. And it's the only way. And so when it comes to sound doctrine, this is not subjective. Jesus said, my doctrine is not my own, but it's my Father's who sent me. Even Jesus on this earth, robed in flesh, the Son of God, the Eternal Son, says this doctrine that I'm... That's from John seven sixteen. He says this doctrine is not my own. This is my Father's doctrine. He established it. He set it out. That's the one I'm living by. This is what He's saying when He's on this earth. This is the one I'm preaching and teaching. This is the one I'm fulfilling. This is the one that must be taught. This is the one that must be believed. This is the one that must be held to. And it was established not in a council or in a meeting, but is forever settled in heaven. Eternity past and eternity future. That's not going to change. Dispensations will change. There's a time before the cross. There's a time before the flood. There's a time after the flood. There's a time after the resurrection of Jesus. We're living in the church age. This dispensation of time. There's a time coming when the Lord's going to come and restore an earthly kingdom and establish it upon this earth. There's an eternity of eternities that's coming after the millennium where their time will be no more. All this, but the doctrine doesn't change. He said it all. He's laid it out there. We don't have to hunt and pick and choose and hope we arrive upon it. It's not arrived upon. Sound doctrine is not arrived upon uh, by, uh, you know, who can win an argument? You know, this group of theologians against that group of theologians. And whoever can shout the loudest wins the argument and wins the right doctrine. That's not how it's arrived upon. It's not arrived upon by personal preference. I like to think that God is a God of love, but I don't like to think that God is a God of judgment and would send somebody to hell. That is personal preference. That's what I like instead of what the Lord has says has said. It's not arrived upon by what is who won the debate. You know, there's Ken Ham, answers in Genesis, he'll debate people. Dave Hunt used to debate people. I'm thankful for people with that kind of backbone and that kind of knowledge of the Scriptures to do that. I really am. To sit there and debate, debate a Muslim before a, a supposedly an impartial audience or on TV takes a lot of courage. 
and a prayer and, and a preparation for that and a calling to do that. I'm thankful for it. But that's not even what determines what sound doctrine is. Who won the debate? Well, I kind of think Ken Ham won it. Who won the debate? Well, I think the uh, Bill Nye's the science guy won it. You know? And, but sound doctrine is not affected by that. It's not arrived upon by who won the debate. It's not arrived upon by what's currently popular. Movements come and go in church, right? A lot of them are not so wonderful. There's been laughter movements in my lifetime that came and went. And there's been other types of movements that have come to the church. And some stick around and some go away for a while and come back. But it's not arrived, sound doctrine is not based upon that. It's not arrived upon. How did you come to your sound doctrine? Well, this is what's most popular, so this must be wholesome, healthy, sound doctrine. No. Thus saith the Lord is what still determines it. It's sound doctrine is not arrived upon by which expert I agree with at the time. An expert in the church that has a lot more knowledge than me and he said, well, he says it and I agree with him. So that must be sound doctrine. He could be right on target with his doctrine. Praise God. But he doesn't set it. You understand what I mean? He doesn't determine it. What's sound and healthy. It's not determined by what pastor I like, by what church I like, by what Christian authors I like, and who agrees with me or who I agree with at this time. Sound doctrine is not something a man stumbles upon or evolves into. It doesn't arrive simply out of thin air. It comes from the Holy Word of Almighty God. Sound doctrine, teaching, comes from the Word of God. It's revealed and taught to men by the Holy Ghost. And it comes to men, salvation comes, and then the teaching and the the discipleship of the Holy Ghost leading us and bringing us as we have faith in Jesus and walk with the Lord and growing in the Lord. It's determined by the Lord and by His Word. So God has given us sound doctrine and good doctrine. I say it all the time. If all you had was the Bible, you would be okay. I thank the Lord He's given us a church. And He's given us pastors and teachers and leaders and things like that. Wonderful teaching I heard this morning in Sunday school. Um, I'm sorry I missed. God's given us these things. He's given us the prayer meet, the fellowship of the believers. He's given us these things. But if all you had was the Bible, you would be okay. That's all we really need. We have already been given the Holy Spirit as believers. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit for those that ask. But, but that's all that we really need. God gives it. Good doctrine is not dependent upon its popularity. You understand that? I know you do. Good, good doctrine and sound doctrine that you and I hold to, and I pray we always hold to, and help hold each other accountable to it, is not dependent upon whether or not good doctrine is popular. It's not based upon that. It doesn't need popularity to uphold it. A presidential candidate does. Somebody running for governor or political office does. They need, or a TV show, or a news station, they need popularity to keep them where they are. God does not. God's teaching and doctrine does not. It's not dependent upon, is it popular today? There's been ebbs and flows. There's been revivals in our nation over the history of our country. And I'm thankful for it. I'm praying for another. We need another big one, don't we? 
in our country. We really do. I'm praying, I'm still praying that there's one last big like sweeping into the kingdom. I know what's going to happen. I know the end times are coming. I know Antichrist is going to be revealed. I know all that is going to take place. But there's not, no reason, biblically, that there can't be one big last end times revival with millions and millions in our country, for example, or around the world, being swept into the kingdom real suddenly. I'm praying for that, okay? But good, sound doctrine is not dependent upon whether that happens. Is Christ popular right now? Is the Bible popular right now? Is you know, real sound, fundamental, conservative, biblical doctrine, is that popular right now? Not really. It's not. But it's not dependent upon people propping it up and holding it up. The Holy Spirit's exalting Jesus Christ. He knows how to do it, okay? And Jesus Christ says we're to live by this Word right here. This is the Word that brings a man to Christ, and this is the word that keeps us in Christ. This is how we're sanctified. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. We, we taught that a few weeks ago from John chapter 17. And so it's, uh, it's taught by the revelation of the Holy Spirit. The Lord has enabled and empowered men, born again men, to hold to sound doctrine, to study it. His word is not beyond you. Well, this is just too deep for me. Then you just take a step at a time. Let the Lord feed you and let Him feed me little by little. But it's not beyond us. Because the Spirit of truth is our teacher. And He has empowered and enabled men to, to study God's Word. To learn it. You can't say, well, this is just for those pastors. This is for the people in seminaries. This is for people that are a lot deeper in Christ than I am. Uh, as we grow in Christ, He'll teach us. Okay? It's not really uh, beyond us or impossible. The Lord has enabled and empowered us to, to love His Word and sound doctrine, to embrace it, to teach it, to obey it, to rightly divide it, to live by sound doctrine. And guess what, y'all? It matters to God it, whether or not we hold to sound doctrine. It matters to the Lord. He's not just some stick in the mud that just, you know, uh, to the letter of the law kind of thing. It matters to God the teaching and instruction we hold to because it reveals Christ to us. It reveals Christ to us rightly. It reveals the plans and purposes of God to us. Sound doctrine. It reveals to me what manner of man I am and the dependence I have upon the Lord. It reveals to me that God is holy and things like this, and that He's merciful and He's gracious and He's not willing that any perish, but all come to repentance. It matters to God what you and I believe or hold to. God's not up there just saying, well, as long as they love Jesus, that's all that matters. And that's what we hear a lot. We hear a lot of, well, it does, just doesn't really matter, but it does matter to the Lord. Men that He created in His own image. It matters to God that we hold to right doctrine. Okay? And that we believe in this God that created us and we believe in Him rightly. We just read it. Let's read verse 16 again in our opening passage. Take heed unto thyself. Take heed to it. Alright? And unto the doctrine. It's important, right? Continue thou in them. For in doing this, in doing what? Taking heed to yourself and continuing in the sound good doctrine. In doing this, thou shalt both save thyself 
and them that hear thee. I think it's important that we continue in good doctrine, right? In sound doctrine that we hold to it. Just listen to this scripture. I'm going to quote it from Titus chapter 2. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. If you're going to speak, Paul's telling the young minister Titus this, what I just quoted, but it's also for us. Speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. There's lots of, lots of other doctrines out there. There's ways that can be twisted and perverted. We quoted it earlier about all Scripture being given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine. It's profitable for instruction and righteousness and correction and reproof. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. It simply means that the man of God will be complete, full, and fulfilled in everything he should be. God's Word is sufficient to bring the Christian man or woman to the fullness of that stature in Christ that we're supposed to be. By the Holy Spirit. Not just the Bible by itself. The Holy Ghost working through the Word. And so, uh, it's important that we believe rightly. So many in churches, y'all, I'm going to be honest with you, and I know that you know this, and I don't think it's just this, this day and age, but it's increasing. We have to grant it that. So many people are, quote, down on doctrine. I'm talking about in Christian circles. They kind of downplay doctrine. They belittle it. They almost mock it and ridicule. If I said, we're going to study our doctrinal statement tonight, I could see a lot of churches rolling their eyes and going, oh my goodness. I mean, seriously. They would roll their eyes and absolutely think that that's so old school, so outdated, so old-fashioned. Doctrine is simply what we believe. You're going to roll your eyes and we're going to study what we believe tonight? You understand what I mean? But doctrine is really downplayed, to say the least. Sometimes it's just sort of ignored. And then other times it's actually ridiculed or mocked. And then other times it's actually attacked. And all within the heading of Christianity. And um, it's... People are down on it. They belittle it. A serious doctrinal study. You know, which I, I think we do every time we gather. We teach Sunday school on prayer. Well, that's doctrine. How do we pray? How do we not pray? We're not doing a seance. We're not meditating it and coming up with a mantra like yoga. What is right Christian prayer? That's what we're studying, right? Amen. How do you pray in the Spirit? What does that mean to pray in the Spirit? What does it mean to pray by faith? What does it mean to pray in His name? This is doctrine, y'all. It's what we believe. But it's downplayed today. It's belittled. Um, any serious discussions on doctrine, um, you know, people don't value it. Correct doctrinal statements. You look up a lot of churches, you go online and look up their website. They got pictures of kids having fun and they're giving water to the poor people and things like that. And you try to find their doctrinal statement, you can't find it. Or if you do find a doctrinal statement, it's one thing. It's like we believe in the grace of God and loving Jesus. But you know what? The Bible tells me there are other Jesuses. So what Jesus are you talking about? The Muslims believe in a Jesus who was not the Son of God and did not die on a cross. So it matters what we believe. You understand what I'm saying? The, the, uh, the Mormons believe in a Jesus who was half-brothers with Lucifer. The, the, there's others 
that have other Jesuses and other Gospels. This is why it's important to the Lord. That's why Satan knows it's important to the Lord. And he wants to downplay it and ridicule it even in seminaries and even within churches and church leadership and church Christian bookstores that downplay sound doctrine, a serious study of doctrine. I don't believe in being all bound up in the letters of the law, in the these and the thous either. But life is going to be found when we know Christ and walk with the Lord. And we're going to find him in right doctrine and sound doctrine and thus saith the Lord. And so uh, a lot of lot of people would ridicule uh, memorizing scriptures, for example. Now, I know a lost person can memorize scriptures. It's not going to do any good. I know a Christian can memorize scriptures and not do him any good if he's not spiritual and doesn't want to be spiritual. But I believe in memorizing scriptures. It helps me. It helps me pray. It helps me know my God. It helps me walk with the Lord. I don't ridicule. That's probably very old-fashioned today in much of the church world today. But I believe in it. Uh, they would say it's really not important. Uh, I've, heard, I've actually heard of a, a pastor in our day that says, I'm not much on doctrine. Don't come to me for doctrine. A pastor. He says... My, my doctrine is Jesus. He literally said that. Now that sounds very what? It sounds very wonderful almost. Your doctrine is Jesus. He's everything and so forth. And in part, I can understand what he means by that. But I know what he was talking about because I know some of the background discussions. He does not want to get into doctrine. He does not want to talk about it. He believes what he believes. You better hold to what he believes and so forth. And so, uh, it, but I would say it, very much so, it matters to the Lord. Okay? Uh, I know that Rick Warren has said it's when he speaks before groups of people, purpose-driven. Everybody knows Rick Warren, right? And um, he says, same thing, belittles doctrine, belittles it, belittles it, belittles it. A little smirk, a little joke, a little laugh. Makes you, so if you're sitting there and you're someone like you or me and we're listening to him, he's giving you a little dig, a little poke. People are looking at you, having a good little chuckle about you and your doctrinal statements because he says it's more, more and more Christianity is going to be. So he thinks it's a movement. OK, less and less about creeds. That would be doctrine and more and more about deeds. We need to help the poor. We need to teach the literate to read. We need to reach out to those with AIDS. We need to dig uh, water wells for people that don't have water. All those things are wonderful, but they're not preeminent. They're not the number one. We're told to go in this world and preach this gospel and teach men to observe whatever I said the Lord said. Okay? That's number one. And if they come to know the Lord, guess what? I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor God's seed begging for bread. They'll have their water wells. God will take care of them if they serve God. God will take care of them. It's fine to do that. It's a display of God's love. I'm not against digging wells for people or handing out bottles of water or teaching them how to read. So don't misquote me. But we're, it's not less and less about creeds and more and more about deeds. It's both. It's going in His name with His Word and being a display, a living example of Christ's love. And it's all backed up by this Word. If I believe wrongly and I'm handing them a bottle of water and telling them some false doctrine, what good am I doing? Or some halfway right doctrine. 
evangelists and evangelicals and Catholics together. Okay, ECT is a big document that was signed 20 years ago, and then an ECT two that followed it. Evangelicals signed it. We agree to this. Catholic signing. Try to bridge this gap. Bring this unity together. And they say, well, we all agree there's more that unites us than divides us. These are wonderful uh, little phrases. Less about creeds, creeds, more about deeds. There's more that unite us than divide us. That all sounds very Christian, but it's really not. Because the things that do divide are serious. And God wants them to divide us. Okay? He wants them to be there. He wants all to be saved. But He wants His doctrine to divide. Right? Wrong. Of God, not of God. He wants to do that. And so those are just quaint little sayings that people have. They get a big bandwagon of people following behind them because it sounds so... They're reaching across lines. It's not for me to reach across the lines. It's for me to bring the Gospel. And they can get saved by the same Savior that saved me and washed in the same blood, and I pray they do. I'm not trying to bridge the gap between me and a Muslim. I'm trying to reach him for Christ, to be salt and light. I should do it more than I do. You understand my point, but it's not for us to bridge the gap. Uh, That's not those statements and phrases about less about creeds and more about deeds. That's not true. It's just not true. It's disingenuous, okay? It's disingenuous, but guess what? It's disingenuous for a purpose. He didn't just make a mistake. If you follow the man's teachings along, it's following right along with modern, a lot of modern Christianity. Christianity is leading you somewhere. It's bringing you somewhere. Just like good doctrine is going to bring you somewhere. A bad doctrine is going to bring you there, even if it's ever so softly leading you off this way with a bunch of hugs and kisses. It's leading you off this way. And so uh, it's not based upon truth. It's not based upon thus it is written. You understand what I mean? And we have to have our lives and our doctrine and what we hold to and believe based upon thus it is written. Jesus said to those who question Him, He says, what saith the Scriptures? You know the Scriptures. What do they say? And they rebuked Him later. You do greatly err not knowing the Scriptures. It's all based upon the Scriptures. He defeated Satan when he was tempted three times. Thus saith the Lord. It is written. It is written. It is written. And so, I don't care who says it or how popular these movements are, uh, that's not based upon truth. To just throw out a statement like that, and I don't care if he's got multi-millions of dollars given to him and given them the platform of saying he's America's pastor, you know, or America's evangelical pastor, whoever it is. Rick Warren has been called that in the last 10 years or so, and others have received that name as well. But uh, God Himself gives, gives us the standard that we're to hold to, amen? To live by, and He's also showed us what we're to expose as not being sound doctrine. Not that that's our greatest joy in life, but it is our responsibility when something is not of the Lord. Those Bereans were commended. Don't ever forget that. They were real people in Berea as a place. And when uh, Paul went there and preached, and he said these Christians in that particular community were more noble. That's what he called them. More excellent, more noble than those of other places because they received what Paul had to say, 
but they also searched the scriptures to see, was it of God? Was it biblical? So they weren't jerks and saying, we don't listen to anything you have to say. They heard him, they received it, and then they got their Bibles, or their word of God that they had at that time, and they searched it to see, does this line up with the scriptures? And Paul didn't rebuke them for it. Well, I'm a man of God. Who are you to, to not receive what I'm saying? I'm the chosen apostle to the Gentiles. He didn't say that. He commended them. So you're doing the right thing. These, these guys know what's going on. And so uh, Dave Hunt's newsletter, The Berean Call, you know, and I appreciate that. The Bible says, Beloved, believe not every spirit. Right? First John 4. But try the spirits or test them whether they be of God. Because many false prophets, prophets speaking something, he's teaching something, quote, in the name of God, in the name of the Lord. But it may not be the Lord. Test the spirits, whether they be of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. We know there are. Do you think there are more in our day than John's day? Absolutely. And there were plenty in his day. All right? And there'll be more tomorrow and a week from now. If the Lord tarries a year from now, there'll be more false, false prophets propagating false things in the name of Jesus. In the name of the Lord. They might even be carrying their Bibles, saying God is love, and quoting 1 John when they say that, and still not be given sound doctrine. That's what we have to understand. Our test is not subjective. Our test is the Word of God. That's where sound doctrine is, is uh, arrived upon. Have you heard this before? Well, doctrine just divides. It just divides people, Right? And so, um, you fundamentalists are just so divisive. Uh, you know, we're all people of faith, and you're just dividing us up with your doctrinal statements and holding to your, quote, sound doctrinal statements, making sure you hold to your right doctrine. You're just so divisive. And that's being taught uh, by so many people. But I would say this can you and I handle that criticism? In other words, can I stick to the Word of God? I don't have to be a jerk about it. But can I hold to the Word of God? Not compromise it, because it's not much. You said my doctrine is not even my own. It's my Father's. How much more for us? Can I hold to right doctrine, not compromise it, and then take the heat that comes with it? We have to answer that question. You have to answer it for yourself. We have to answer it as a church for ourselves. We're going to have to answer as we go and uh, through this life. Can we take the heat? Can we hold to God's holy word and say, I believe this, what it says about homosexuality. I believe this, what it says about there are not many ways to God, but it's just Jesus. I believe this, that hell is a real place, despite what the Pope says. I can hold to this and believe it and then bear the criticism that comes with it. Bear the criticism if we get our church shut down. Bear the criticism if you get fired from your job or passed over for promotion on a college campus or whatever. Can you handle it? And we have to be able to understand that the Lord is our strength for that. He's, he's our strength for that. It's not mine to compromise. It's not mine to bridge that gap. We'll take some of your doctrine and some of mine. We'll just reach the least common denominator and we're left with God is love. Okay? Or, well, who is God to you? Well, we won't get into that. You know? We'll just say that God is love. Or, my doctrine is Jesus. 
and things like that. Well, the Lord's given us His Word. Can we hold to it, thank Him for it, and then take the heat or the reproach that comes with it? Because He says you're blessed when you do. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Blessed are you when men revile you, persecute you, and say all men are evil against you falsely for my name's sake. That's what we're doing, right? There's not an arrogance in that. There's not, look at me, I stood up for Jesus, pat me on the back. There is living for God because He's worthy. He's worth it. I don't think I'm better than the guy who has wrong doctrine. I don't look down my nose at the guy who's got wrong doctrine. But I'm not going to compromise with the guy who's got wrong doctrine. I'm going to hold to what's true. And I'm going to be thankful for it. And I'm going to take the heat that comes with it. We have to be able to handle that. Uh, it's in Christianity today. I'm going to look at a few more scriptures. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Now this is a wonderful passage. We all know it. Let's look at this. This is the last chapter Paul wrote on this earth. Okay, You know it's important. He's in prison in Rome. He knows he's about to die for the Lord. And look at this, what he tells his young disciple Timothy, pastor of the church of Ephesus. I charge thee, verse 1, then before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom, preach the Word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and what? Doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth. So there is the truth. There is a real truth. It stands alone. The truth. All right? It's God and His Word. And it's Jesus Christ. It's all blended together. It's the Lord and it's thus saith the Lord. All right? And shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou, Timothy, you watch in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. So I love when he says the time's going to come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Sound doctrine. They'll endure doctrine. They won't endure sound doctrine. And he's not talking about a lost world. I think it's pretty evident the lost world has already rejected and made a full rejection of Christ in the Bible. And they've accepted Darwin's theory and everything else. Okay? But it's to me that the picture is of those within the big canopy of what's called Christianity. We're people of faith. We're spiritual people. We're, we love the Lord. That kind of people. And it says they're not going to endure sound doctrine. And what they're going to do instead, and it's a choice, right? This is a human being's choice. They are going to heap to themselves teachers. I want Riddle and Michael and Damien to come over here. I heard them talking about some crazy, exciting kind of stuff. Come teach in our church, okay? Wow, we've never heard this before. Been a Christian for 30 years. I've never heard, tell me this. This is, wow, this is great. So at the end, Satan's going to be saved too and all the demons, everybody that's rejected Christ because God's love, He's going to reconcile everybody to Himself in the end. I've never heard that before. Tell me more of that. And Reynolds got a message that comes right on the heel of that. And Michael comes in and says, if you name it, you can claim it. The Bible says, ask and you'll receive. And so we need to start. You understand what I'm saying? We're, we're heaping to ourselves teachers. It says they will 
because they wouldn't endure sound doctrine. If they'd endured the sound doctrine, they, that would not have been the case. But they heap to themselves, I want more of this. I want the new book on this. I want the new CD uh, you know, uh, to listen to when I'm riding around in my car. And I want the latest Christian book. And I want to go hear this person in Toronto or in Pensacola. I want to do this. And he come get them to come speak in our church, Pastor. That's what we want. We want that. And so uh, it says, I love it. It says they'll turn their ears from the truth. It's a choice, right? A man said, here's the truth over here. They said, they turn away from that. It's still there, but they've turned from it. And it says they will be turned to fables. I thought this hit me. Y'all probably knew this, but it hit me 15 years ago or so. I thought about that. I said, wait, they, they turn their ears from the truth. That's their own choice. Then they shall be turned unto fables. And I don't think that is their own choice. You understand what I'm saying? When I'm going to turn from the truth and I don't want it, I don't want the truth as it is in Christ Jesus. I don't want that to be my life, my standard, simply what I hold to and believe. There's some new stuff I want. I made a choice to turn from that and then the, Satan will take it from there. Okay? And he will turn me to a fable and I'll believe that. Now, I know God can bring people out of that. I'm not limiting what the Lord can do. I'm simply saying that's a choice to turn yours from the truth. I don't think it's a choice to say, I want to be deceived today by a doctrine of a devil. We'll be turned to fables. And it's all because people don't hold to sound doctrine. Can I tell you, absolutely, doctrine does divide. So if somebody says, well, doctrine just divides, you say, yes, it does. It does. Thank the Lord it divides. This wall separates me from what's outside, and I'm thankful for it. Amen. Okay? Uh, asbestos suit's going to protect me from a fire from a fireman going in there. I'm thankful for it. It separates me from what's right around me. I'm thankful if I'm scuba diving that, you know, I have a mask that separates me from the water there so I can breathe oxygen mm-hmm. or air. And so, yes, it does divide. It's supposed to divide. I'm thankful that it divides. Uh, Jesus said, and uh, I'm just going to read this. You know, in John chapter 6, uh, where the Lord he had many disciples, 70 were named at one time. And when he spoke to them a specific thing about eating of his flesh, drinking of his blood, and they said, uh, they said, this is a hard saying, who can hear it? All right, so they followed him, followed him, followed him, followed him. He preaches this sermon. This is hard. Who can really receive that? Does this offend you, the Lord says. From that time, many went back and walked no more with them. So I know I've talked about that scripture a lot because they followed the Lord. They followed the Lord. For all intents and purposes, they were disciples of Jesus Christ. They weren't like the uh, rebellious Pharisees. They weren't like the drunkards and the, you know, and the publicans and the prostitutes. They were following Jesus. They came to a point at his words. This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? It came down to his words, and they said, it said from that, from that moment forward, many turned and didn't walk anymore with the Lord. It does, it does divide. And another thing, Jesus didn't chase them out down after him and say, no, please come back. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean what I said. Same for the rich young ruler. I just read that again this week. You've read the story many times, the rich young ruler. It says the Lord looking at him loved him. Don't ever forget that. The Lord looking at this rich young man loved him. He loved him. He wanted him to be saved. 
But when he said, sell what you have, give it to the poor, come and follow me, the man left and went away sad because he had great riches. So what did he do? The man made a choice. Jesus brought the truth. The man heard the truth, made a choice, went back. Jesus didn't run after him. He said, no, 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 for you there's a different plan. There's a different way for you. I'm going to change the, the sale salvation message up for you. I'm going to change the requirements. So I didn't mean what I said. And that's a lot of times I think what people do. We can't get this other ethnic group to come into our church. We can't get these people. We can't get young people to come into our church. So I've got to have to change the message up to make it more appropriate for them. But bring them Christ. Be prayed up. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the love and compassion of Jesus to where you really care for them and go out and bring the Gospel to them. Somebody's going to be saved in a lot or not. You understand what I mean? But they're going to be saved. They're going to be saved by this Gospel. If they're going to be kept, they're going to be kept by this God and this Word. If they're going to be discipled and grow, they're going to come and be discipled and grow through this Bible right here. Not some other way. Yes, the Gospel divides. It's supposed to. Okay? The Bible says it divides between... It's living. <clears throat> it divides between the thoughts and intents of the heart. It's a sword. The sword of the Spirit. Well, a sword cuts, doesn't it? God calls His Word a sword. God says that it separates the joints and the marrow and the thoughts and tents of the heart. It separates between soul and spirit. Is this really spiritual or is it soulish? God's Word cuts through it and determines. No, this was soulish. No, this is spiritual. Okay? It's, it's uh, the sword and it's supposed to divide. God's Word rightly divided and revealed by the Holy Ghost is able to differentiate or distinguish between, just listen, true and false. God's Word does that, Right? It separates, God's Word's not confused. And we're going to be closing here soon, but it separates between true and false. Truth, truth as is in Christ, and error. It separates between the Spirit of Jesus Christ, or the Holy Spirit, and another spirit. Could be the Spirit of the world. Could be my own human spirit. I have a spirit. It's not always right, okay? It separates between what's holy and profane. It separates between what's right or wrong. It separates whether the man's lost or saved. It separates whether uh, someone's a sheep or a goat or wheat or chaff or a tear. The, the, God's Word does that. Okay? And what's holy or what's hypocritical. Just listen to this. Out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fiercest of the wrath of Almighty God. And so that's speaking about when the Lord comes back. I don't believe there's physically a sword coming out of God, the, Jesus' mouth when he comes back. He's going to be like slicing people with the sword that comes out of his mouth. We're already told in scriptures that his word is quick and powerful, sharper than a sword. In Ephesians, uh, with the armor of God, it talks about the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And so... He's going to rule the smite the nations with his word. He's going to set things in order with his word. He's going to rule over them with his word. Yes, God's word divides. You better believe it divides. It's supposed to. And I want to just throw this in. It's it's important that you and I, you and I personally, in our Christianity or our witness for Christ, not be divisive. Do you understand what I'm saying? I, I, Jesus was a divisive 
character or person, person in the history of the world. People, you're either gather with me or you scatter abroad. I uh, didn't come to bring peace but a sword. But he and his personality was not uh, unkind or something that repelled people away in, in his self. You understand what I'm saying? That's important. There's light or darkness. And he was light and in him was no darkness at all. So the darkness would either come and repent his feet and be made light and walk in the light or it would scurry back to the darkness. There's no middle ground. But he himself was not offensive, if you know what I mean. Uh, so we have to understand that the same as us. And we can be offensive. And we've seen examples and maybe we've done it in our lifetimes that in lifetimes before where we were just offensive we were a horrible witness for christ even though we were saying everything right we were very unloving loving or we know some preacher that was unloving and it brings a wrath upon them that didn't have to be there god's word is going to bring enough division on its own the person of jesus christ upheld as the truth is going to bring enough division. I don't have to bring more upon myself by me being a jerk. You don't understand that. Okay? And a Christian can be a jerk and still be a Christian. Can, can be, have a poor witness for the Lord and say everything correct in their sermon or their message or their preaching on the streets. And, and so I'm not saying that we compromise God's Word. I'm saying uh, if we're going to somebody who's lost or even to another believer... Or, uh, that with whose doctrine is off. It's not by who shouts the loudest. There are times God would have us to speak and to convince with sound doctrine. There's times He'd have us to be quiet. You know, but they're always, at every time, we're to be godly though, right? Sometimes we talk, sometimes we're quiet, but always we're godly and Christ-like and governed by the Holy Spirit. And so uh, I just think that that's, that's important. I wanted to say that, that, uh, that we in ourselves are not to be divisive. And, and we can be, even though our doctrine is right, we know it's right. We have to be careful. Just listen to this. I besought thee uh, to abide still at Ephesus, Paul told Timothy, when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Titus 1.9, holding fast the faithful word, as he had been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine, this is Titus 1.9, by sound doctrine, both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. And in other words, by sound doctrine, we can convince people. If, if they're going to be convinced, it's going to be by sound doctrine. Okay? Your doctrine is wrong. This is sound doctrine. That's a very important scripture. By sound doctrine, you can convince the gainsayers. They may not be convinced, but if they are going to be convinced, it's only going to be by sound doctrine. It's not going to be by me and my personality rising up that I'm a little sharper or more clever or get more people on my side. It has to be a work of the Lord and by His Word. So, uh, it's essential, y'all. And I'm going to just close with this thought. It's essential. And I think we're going to continue on the same subject, a little different uh, aspect of it next week. But it's essential that a man holds to and believes in and lives by sound doctrine. I know that sounds very simple, okay? But it is important. And all the more, we talk about it all the time, the characteristic of the last days is deception. There's wars and rumors of wars. Uh, there's a lack of love and a lot of these things. 
But Jesus said, take heed that no man deceive you, right? Matthew 24. And so our faith, the faith that we believe in, the whole thing, Genesis to Revelation, is not a jumble of a bunch of man-made inventions and then we hold to it and live by it and die for it. It's given by God. It's given by God. We have a standard. There's, it's actually very orderly. You know what I mean? This is not just the experience of the mystics or some ancient father or some uh, person that comes back from a lost experience at sea and they come back with all this spiritual truth or something and people follow them. It's very, uh, it's very orderly, actually. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. You know, you follow through it, man sinned, and then there was a promise of a Savior. And, and it goes on to say, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And it, you understand what I mean? It's very orderly. Coming to God and knowing God and walking with God is not just a subjective experience that people have. What we believe and hold to should not be based on just subjective things. Well, Chris experienced this, and I experienced this, and they're different, but... You know, I'll ever respect what he... No, truth is truth. And truth doesn't change. It's established by the Lord's Word. Jesus said, search the Scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me, he said. Search the Scriptures. You're looking in the right place, okay? You're talking about eternal life. Search the Scriptures. You think you have eternal life there. The Scriptures testify of me. So we don't worship scriptures, but we search the scriptures and the scriptures rightly divided testify of the Savior, not a Savior, the Savior. And I thank the Lord for his word. We read the scripture earlier during worship. We've not followed cunningly devised fables. We made none unto you the preaching of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we're eyewitnesses. There's, it's all recorded. It's written down. We're not following some subjective experience. Amber experienced this and Sherry experienced this and who's to say who's right or wrong spiritual truth is not arrived at upon that it comes from thus saith the Lord all have sinned and come short of the glory of God there's none righteous no not one well I don't believe that well that's the truth I don't believe that I believe man's basically good there's a pastor here used to be a pastor of the biggest Methodist church in town he walked went off went way off I don't know if he was off before, but he went way off. And he believes in a total New Age theology that that Jesus came basically uh, just to show us that we're right and we're good. We just have to find that inner good in ourselves. uh, Anybody ever heard of Matthew Fox, a big New Age, uh, like the father basically of the New Age movement? And uh, this pastor, who pastors a not what I wouldn't call not a Christian church today, still in Baton Rouge. That's his mentor. He says Matthew Fox is his mentor. That's the book he puts his stock in and where he found his theology in. And so we don't arrive at it upon those type of things. It's forever settled in heaven. And I'm going to close with this thought. There's a great liberty. People would think you fundamental Christians, and that's what I am, okay, are so bound up in your doctrine. You're bound up in it to where it takes all the joy out of life. And I disagree totally. There's great liberty in being in Christ, being right with the Lord, having our sins forgiven. There's liberty in the Spirit. 
Okay, the Bible talks about that, that there's great liberty in the Holy Ghost. And for freedom's sake, the Lord said he's made us free. There's great liberty in knowing God and walking with him in right doctrine. Otherwise, there's doubts and fears and error and deception. And wherever the devil wants to lead me off into what other kind of depression or confusion and suicide and things like this and abandoning the faith, all that kind of stuff. And you're going to say that that's liberty. We have there's great liberty in walking in the simplicity as it is in Christ Jesus, the Bible says. Walking in sound doctrine. The Lord keeps us uh, in the fullness of His joy. These things I've written unto you or spoken to you, I'm with you, that your joy may be full. Okay? Our knowledge of the holy. I'm just going to read a few scriptures as we close. Indeed, you can come on. Open, thine eye, open mine eyes, David said, that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. The Word of God brings wondrous things to us. I will walk at liberty, for I seek thy precepts. So I'm going to walk in liberty because I'm seeking after God and His law and His word. And the Bible says that, uh, that this great liberty, amen, it comes from the Lord. Wisdom, hope, security, peace, joy. We're not bound up in false doctrine, bound up by the letter of the law. There's great liberty and joy in knowing the Lord. I want you, if you would, just to stand. And while you're standing, I want to read two more scriptures. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, when Peter preached, uh, 3,000 souls were saved. He preached the Gospel. He promised the coming of the Holy Spirit to all that would believe. And it says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Steadfastly. They continued in it. And in fellowship, breaking of bread, and in prayers. And that's where life was. The Lord blessed it and the church grew and grew and grew. They'd have a big church growth program. That's how they continued. The first thing it said, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And in prayer, in fellowship, breaking of bread. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. See, they didn't have any Christian authors at that time. They didn't have Christian music CDs and all that kind of stuff. They had the Lord and His Word. And, the, and the, whatever part of the Bible was completed at that time. We know the Old Testament, okay? And they continued in sound doctrine. The last scripture I'm going to read, Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. The good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost, which dwelleth in thee. We're not having to go arrive at some sound doctrine. We just have to continue in it. We have to hold to it. We have to fight for it. Why do we have to fight? Because everything in this life is, is seeking to erode it. Is seeking to eat away at it. Little by little. To chip away at it. You talk too much about this. And so the world, even the church world, wants to shut you up about it. Just talk about grace and love. Don't talk about repentance. Well, what if I just talked about repentance? That would be out of balance as well, right? And so we need, to, we need to hold to and continue in sound doctrine in the form of sound words, healthy words. Because Paul said in doing so, we're going to save ourselves. Not that we're our own saviors, you know what I mean? We're going to keep ourselves where we should be. And we're going to save them that hear us. It'll be a blessing to you. 
It'll be a blessing when you teach me, when you teach your children right doctrine, even if their friends go to another church and they ridicule you for it and don't believe it. You hold to it. It's, it's protection for us and for those that hear us and salvation for those for us and for those that hear it. And so, y'all, I'm just closing with this. I know it was a, a long message this morning. We didn't even get, get into what specific ten points of doctrine but I, the, the point for this morning was just that God's Word determines sound doctrine and it matters. It matters what we believe. It matters what we hold to and fight for and live by and embrace and preach and teach to others no matter if it's popular or unpopular. Amen?